You're listening to Zen Sandwich, a podcast for the independent mind and anyone who embraces life despite its absurdities. Join former attorney and professor turned Japanese papermaker Mark Reed each week as he talks with creative, inspiring, and influential people, or as he shares his own research to help make your world a little better today than it was yesterday. Hey, here we are. I have not one but two rock star guests from the world of mindfulness and being present. Are there rock stars in that kind of world? Um, they are both transformational coaches. They are both well-established podcasters. Andy Scarantino is host of View from the Roof, formerly known as Get the Fuck Off podcast. I would listen to either show uh, under either one of those monikers. And uh, Zen Benefil is has been in broadcasting for several decades and is the host of the show One World in a New World. The reason I wanted to have them both on at the same time is not so that the three of us could sit around and pat each other on our proverbial Zen and Taoist backs and talk about how enlightened we all are, as fun as that sounds. Rather, I thought it might be more interesting to explore just how we all came to the perspectives we each hold today and at which philosophical crossroads we might individually diverge. Most importantly, I value Andy and Zen as true students of Zen and Taoism, as opposed to some folks out there who wear those labels like a cool patch on a backpack on their social media profiles without really knowing the first thing about those topics, other than they occasionally give a thumbs up to an Alan Watts or Eckhart Tolle meme. To borrow Andy's words from her website, I too am sometimes insanely put off by inspirational content that seems completely and utterly inauthentic. In short, I value their opinions, and I think they both have something to offer when it comes down to truly living a present, mindful life in a practical way. With that, Andy Scarantino joins me from New York, New York. Am I correct? You're Absolutely. In? Okay. All right. My third or fourth home, I would claim, and Zen Benefil from, uh, are you in Chandler, Arizona? I know you're in Arizona. I am. Chandler. Okay. That's a state I have considered trying to somehow uh, finagle a residency status because of its swing vote status in elections. But uh, anyway, that's that's another episode. Uh, welcome, you two. Thanks for having Thank us. you, Mark. This ought to be fun. So I am often asked uh, how I went from Baptist to Buddhist, uh, so to speak. And though I usually respond in a way that suggests I'm both and neither of those things at the same time, uh, but you know, avoiding kind of an esoteric explanation such as that, my first question is essentially a historical, not a philosophical one. That is, what tradition were you brought up in and how, why did you transition to where you are today? Ladies first. Absolutely. I can, I can go. I was not raised with any, any tradition at all. I was raised by atheist parents, Mark. I don't know if I've ever shared that with you before, but I... Yeah, my mother and did, father were both brought up. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Well, did they did they put not I don't want to say use the word push, but it's the first word that's coming to mind. Did they push that thought on you? Like, hey, you shouldn't believe in God. You know, it's really interesting because my mother 
said to my brothers and I, I want you to explore every religion and know what you're not believing in if you choose not to believe in something. Well, I don't believe in anything. I want you to choose your own faith. And that was my memories of the things that she said, which was really cool. Like it was really, it was a really cool thing to say. It was very liberating. It was, it was nice to just be able to put things in and not take things out. Um, but but I have old memories of being like five or six years old. And I had a very religious babysitter. Her name was Maggie. She lived to be damn near a hundred. And she, and she was old when I was a child. So this is, and she would bring religious jewelry and things for me like that displayed Jesus. And, and my mother would say things like, we don't allow religious jewelry in this house. Um, and then there was like this story about how she took me to be baptized without my mother's knowing. And my father told tall tales. So we don't actually know if that happened. So that, that's the, that is, that's my early go. Well, how do you go from, okay, that into you do at least dabble. I, you, you cite the Tao Te Ching frequently. I don't know if you consider yourself. I, I would imagine that all three of us resist labels i mean it kind of comes with the territory absolutely of non- right it re- it comes with the territory of non-attachment like i don't want to be called a buddhist or a Taoist because i'm you know well now i'm kind of going down the same path hey that- you works <laughs> yeah yeah you works well how to though uh andy and i do want to hear i definitely want to hear your story as well Zen. but to finish up with andy what how did you go from that to well dabbling in the eastern philosophical thought it happened on its own. It. I had somewhat of a spiritual awakening in 2018. Um, I had a an experience where I had a moment of just intense clarity. Um, my now ex-boyfriend left me at an airport after we had an argument in the middle of the night. I didn't have a flight home. And I've actually spoken to Zen on his podcast about this, um, this story. And it was one of those moments where I, I got a clear understanding that I was responsible for absolutely everything in my life. Hmm. And it was a moment where, and I don't want to go too much into the story, um, but it was a moment where I received a large download. And I think that I was just in, innately born wise to life. Like I had a lot of spiritual experiences, like as a, a young person, and I'm not saying that to be egoic. I, my human design is a six, two. So there was a lot of things that I just was wise about when I was young, but there was, it was a moment where I I received that in an understanding that there was a deeper knowing mm-hmm. and from there, it was just about going to find the things that verified the things that I received in that moment. And I don't like to fight against the current of life. And the Tao is very much about that. Like all of the Eastern, the way that all of the Eastern philosophies, and I'll go ahead and say religion just for the sake of it, make the most sense to me. Right. They make they make sense versus the the way that I was, I grew up in the West in this, this production consumer focused culture that always felt ick in it's, my body. It's interesting. I think a lot of us that will grow up in the West, but find our ourselves in Eastern thought uh, it, it's, there's like this moment, it could be a moment or it could be a gradual process, but that we, when we're willing to sort of let go 
of the conditioning from our Western, you know, perspectives, whether that's Judeo-Christian or whatever, it, you know, and then it, it just, to use your words, it just starts to make sense. Like, you know, you go, whether you're a Buddhist or Taoist or, you know, neither of those things, but when you look at like the Four Noble Truths and like, okay, attachments cause suffering, you know, well, that, that makes sense, you know, and it, it just starts to, it, it's just logical, actually. You know, yeah, and when you begin to get curious about it, certain things just don't make sense. They don't feel right. Like Andy mentioned. Yeah. It just ick. Yeah. Yeah. Right? That's, that's... And so how do you question that? Well, you got to suspend your beliefs and start being curious. That's the hard part for a lot of people is suspending your beliefs. It was hard for me. I had to, you know, it was kind of like giving up Santa Claus, you know, because I had been sort of told that this oh, is. Oh, oh. Yeah. So, well, then what was your, you know, where, how did you start this? uh journey oh, of life <laughs> oh uh, thanks for asking mark it, it's been a, a really interesting rather unique journey for me i was orphaned at birth adopted at six weeks told i was adopted at four and a half when my sister shows up and it gave me questions of, of not just the normal whys right and who were they but the I fell on the question of do i have a father and mother in heaven and can i talk to them now my parents were heavily involved in the United Methodist Church at the time. And so I got some early tutelage, if you will, in Sunday school. And, and the curious kid that I was, insatiably so, I continued to ask questions. And throughout my life, I've continued to ask questions. Um, it led to, in college, I uh, had a moment where I was just distraught, didn't know where I wanted to go. Things didn't feel right. I was in a pre-med program and I came back from first quarter break, hit my knees, prayed to know what truth was. And I was willing to die for it if necessary. Yeah. And sure enough, a few days later, this voice I'd been familiar with since I asked, do I have a father and mother in heaven? Can I talk to them? A voice appeared shortly thereafter. Um, and I found out I wasn't crazy after a while because many people have that voice too. Now, as you, you know, when you're young, you really don't know. You just play along with it and, and have fun. Well, at this point, when I was asked if I was willing to die for what I believed in, I had a moment where I had to really stop and think. <laughs> and I landed on Christ consciousness to begin with. It felt a little empty. Wasn't sure why. Didn't question it. Went on. My next thought was cosmic consciousness. That, for some reason, felt full. And so mm -hmm. I said, yes. And shortly thereafter, I got a tug from my solar plexus and, and uh, was listening to an album by Journey. Their first album, there was a riff on it that sounds like a rocket ship taking off. And those two simultaneously showed up. And I found myself popping out of my body, looking at my body, turning back to look where I'm going and immediately engulfed by white light. It felt complete, um, like I was at one with the universe. God, whatever you want to call it. And then I got the moment where... So a, a mystical experience, so to speak. Very much so. Um, yeah. Prompted by asking if I was willing to die for what I believed in. Right? Yeah. Talk about suspending your beliefs. Right. And, and, Journey, um, and then, will, Journey will do that to you as well, by the way. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Phenomenal album, right? <laughs> and um, so I'm, I'm in the light and, and I realize that I can think because I'm analyzing it. It's high-pitched, iridescent, effervescent sensation. And yet there was nothing else there other than my thoughts and the light. So I asked if there was more and moved into another 
um, indigo background, uh, felt a slight movement and surrounded by points of light was um, after I recognized that these points of light were points of consciousness, mm-hmm. whether in body or not, I wasn't sure because I knew I wasn't. Then the voice picked back up and told me that these were those that I'm to work with in order to facilitate a new world order, that it would happen in my lifetime, that everything would be in place and show up at its appropriate time, and simply to trust and allow. Now, as an 18-year-old, you know, I came back into my body and, and still retaining that effervescent, iridescent, high-pitched sensation, and I realized, wow, we're all cosmic consciousness condensed into form, just unaware. And so later on, I began studying all kinds of different things because, you know, you have that kind of experience. You've got to research where did it come from? What what correlation, corroboration, you know, validation can you find to make yourself believe or know that you're not freaking crazy? Right. Right. Because most people don't have those. You try to talk somebody about them. They're going to think you're nuts. Well, yeah. Well, well, what about that? I was going to say, dude, I mean, do we all need a mystical experience to come? Absolutely not. Okay. Absolutely not. Sometimes it's just an awareness, you know, like Andy mentioned, you know, you have these moments where you get downloads and you just know. Yeah. You're connected. Your story, actually, what what it brought back to my mind in my own sort of seeking of truth, I, uh, you know, it's ironic. Mine came from the Bible that led me to the East. It's the verses that say, uh, seek and ye shall find knock and the door will be open. Ask and Absolutely. it should be answered. The keys I, are there. The I, keys right. are in every I, scriptural work. If yeah. you will. I took that to heart. And I was like, okay, as long as I seek God, the universe or truth with a capital T, whatever you want to call it, uh, with an earnest heart, like with, you know, not, having no interest in blasphemy or anything, you know, I'm seeking God because God told me to do that. (laughs) And it led me to the East. It's kind of interesting. Well, what you're Uh, doing essentially is you're seeking order, right? Because order makes sense. Yeah. And then we make that sense common somehow. That's how I came to peace with it. You know, with uh, me giving up Santa Claus, so to speak, is that, you know, I, I know that all along the way I did it with an earnest heart with with, you know, I, I'm not I'm not trying to be a rebel to Christianity. I'm trying to do the right thing. I'm trying to get to the, the you know, and you've the, got to be willing to whack away at your truth until you know what stands. It's a hard thing to do sometimes. Well, um, I'm all about practical solutions on the show. How do your philosophies guide your real life, real world, down to earth, decision making, problem solving in your everyday universe? Give examples if you can. Andy? That's a big question. <laughs> I've done this before. Real, real world <laughs> practical examples. Oh, wow. Well, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you this just to get you started. I will, uh, I frequently. Throughout the day, almost every day, I may I might miss a day or whatever. But you know, folks like us, we talk about be present. But you know, we do have human brains that we do think about the past. We just talked about our past a little bit. We do think about the future. Where am I going? What am I doing? You know, so I do have to remind myself, hey, hey, I'm here now, <laughs> right now, mm. and I will stop throughout the day sometimes and just breathe in 
and realize like I am living at this very moment in time and only <laughs> this moment in time. And that, and that's kind of a, so that's a, a, a beautiful place. Thank you for, for that, Mark. Um, I actually, I led a, uh, I led a women's coaching community called day one. I did it for a year and it was a daily experience, which if I, I mean, talk about showing up for something daily for a year. It's a lot, it seems like a lot of work, but I learned a lot in that year. And what I learned is that we can, that this is the only moment I learned that from other places, but to right. teach somebody present moment awareness, I, I broke it down into five, pretty much five categories. Number one, today is the day of highest motivation. You know, whenever you hear somebody talk about like going on a diet, what's the day of lotus, lowest motivation? Day two, like day two, <laughs> you're over it by day two. Right. This is the only day. Um, looking at today, today is the day of recognizing personal capacity. Today is the day that you are a new person. You are not who you were five hours ago, five weeks ago, five minutes ago. You are today on this day, a new person. A lot of questions that I ask, and I ask this, uh, I ask this to people, who are you today? Because I don't know. You know, if you're ever getting into a relationship with someone, they might be different every day. Right. <laughs> like, you might be different every day. I think I, I dated you know, that girl. That's you the know, spice but, of life. But I'll tell you what, like when you are, when I think a lot of problems, particularly with our families and with our lovers is when, or with our friends is that we assume that they were yesterday hmm. who they are today. And or sorry, they are who they are. They are today who they are were yesterday. Yeah. That, and they're not, you know, I like, had, have you somebody, been back to a high school reunion? That's why I, I don't have any interest. No. In, I went back to the 10 year oh one this year or coming up is uh, in 2024 would be my 30th year. And I know they'll get together, but I just I, I am not the same person and I have no interest because I know that when I show up, they will expect that high school version of Mark. And it's he's just not there anymore. So I just don't that's even the thing. Go. I think that's well, that's what Ramdas says, you know, if you think you're enlightened, spend a week with your family because your family's operating with this dated version of you a lot of the time. And, you know, that's something that we can talk about Zen, not Benefield, but you know, Zen. Right. You know, to practice looking at that, because when somebody's operating with a dated version of who they believe that you are, if that activates you even with your high school classmates, if that activates you, that gets to show, show you where you're attached. Yeah. And that's a really beautiful thing because, and there are some other ways that I apply present moment awareness, but essentially today is the only day. It is the only time you are new every moment. You have a different, like everything that's occurring is all now. It's all in this moment. And mm. if you cannot be in the past, because we know from quantum physics that if we're anchored to emotions from the past, we're going to recreate that in the but present. At this, I mean, I hear you and I'm not trying to push back on that, but except in this regard, everything that has happened up until this moment has sort of I'm not getting into a free will discussion because I actually have no interest in the, the free will debates. But everything that has happened that has led me to this moment, you know, it did sort of carve out. I, I'm all about Taoism being the uncarved block, but we, as we move along in life, we are chiseled away by experiences and 
punish rewards and punishments. And, you know, so in, in a way we can't really completely escape our past. We're not, we're not really of it. Okay. Right. 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 Um, but then, okay. So, but yeah. then, then to push back, then, uh, back in the other direction, but we, uh, and I, again, I resist the free will, uh, uh, conversation, but, um, at the same time that we're in assimilation of everything that's happened up until now, um, I, I am still free to choose my path. I'm, I'm not, I don't, I'm not predetermined to be who I am. I don't no, believe choices is in how you respond, how you synthesize, how you integrate, how you make your next move. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, then how, how give us an example of like down to earth, how, how you apply this way of thinking that we're talking about, how you use it, how do you utilize it, I guess, in your just day to day life? It starts out with a daily morning practice, right? You got to set the day, set the tone, and it's a choice you make. For me, um, I do a combination of things. And I start off generally with putting my fingertips together, feeling my heartbeat in them, and just being quiet, hmm. right? And ask with the question of, okay, what do I need to do? How do I, what can I do today to serve a greater good? Yeah. Um, then I follow that up later, you know, have a couple cups of coffee, do my work online and you know, all that kind yeah. of stuff. And then I'll go outside and I do a ritual in the four directions. And I simply say, thank you. Probably about a dozen times in each direction. I pull the energy up from the earth. I share it with the cosmos. I bring it back and I set up my heart and I put it back into the earth. At least that's my imagination or my, uh, luminary experience, if you will, sure. um, using that luminal space, right? Or liminal space. And so this is, begins the day. And then as the day progresses for each choice, for each moment of interaction, there's a sense of, okay, what can I offer? Not mm -hmm. what can I get, but what can I offer? And often by having that question, then your skill set takes over, hmm. right? Because you got all kinds of tools that you can offer, all yeah. kinds of suggestions, tools, whatever, right? And that's specific to the individual. So each situation that you come into, there's that hit the pause button first. Yeah, not enough people do that, that's for sure. Right, <laughs> and, and so, and, and that's a trick. You've got to really be but disciplined. It takes practice. I I, I have been preaching practice and, uh, you know, this uh, in 150 plus episodes, I, I talk about all the time that there's not I, I think people pursue happiness as if there is an end goal. And once I get it, OK, I'm done with that. I got that happiness thing. What's the next thing? I'm gonna, Next, I'm going to work on saving up for a BMW or whatever. They, they, it's not. Oh, a, why is it about happiness? That's the thing. Like we're always searching for the 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 feel good. Right. Right. And and people like, why can't we just be like, this is excruciating. What a marvelous experience. <laughs> well, hey, yeah. just enjoy the emotion, recognize it for what it is. Don't shove it down into your body because that's what creates dis-ease and you'll mm -hmm. end up with yeah. some kind of ailment from it. Mm -hmm. You've got to let it flow. You, you know, in that moment of experience, you've got to be present. Yeah. Right. Which means you can't deny anything that's going on. 
And well, we're talking about a, a, a key word here, acceptance, accept things for what they are. You know, when we want things to be different, you know, we Without want things to be perfect. Judgment or condemnation. Right. And that's the, Those that's also the, are in that Bible you were talking of about. Of course, right? that's the tough part is, is accepting without judgment. Uh, and it takes practice and uh, you got to do it all. You got to practice all the time. There's no in, you know, there's no, oh, I got there. Now I just, I mean, unless you've achieved enlightenment, I don't know. Well, uh, the, the three of us have been at this for a while, uh, for several years, uh, for a few decades uh, for yourself, uh, Zen. I, I, I'm, I'm at least two decades into it. Uh, what books or teachings would you recommend for someone who is just getting started? They're just interested. Um, you know, like I'm not going to recommend it. The, the listener can't see this, but, you know, uh, I'm a I'm working my way through uh, DT Suzuki's Zen and Japanese culture book right now. This would not be the starter book that I would. Re- I would actually recommend um, the Tao of Pooh by Benjamin Hoff <laughs> as the mm-hmm. starter book. Um, maybe Eckhart Tolle. I know I, I took a jab at him at the beginning, but, uh, you know, what, what would you recommend someone who was interested in learning more about this stuff? Starter book, The Untethered Soul, Michael right. Singer. It's a really simple, he takes these big concepts and makes them simple. Um, if you can listen to any of the Ram Dass lectures on yeah. YouTube, I mean, he's just so great. I And I think that that's a good place to start. Um, the Untethered Lester, Soul. Untethered Soul, Michael Singer, anything Ram Dass says, ever, yeah. he's all right, Zen, what, what's your recommendation? Well, a, a little different course. Um, you know, if you have the far out mystical experience, I, I started the book that I landed on was the, the Vedas, which are 15,000 years old, originally written in Sanskrit. And it explained my experience as being part of that unit of consciousness as a divine thread incarnate. Mm. So it made total sense. Now, what prepared me for that, I believe, was a suggestion my mother gave me early on, and that was Jonathan Livingston Seagull. Hey, followed, nice. by, followed by illusions. Love it. Okay. Richard Bach. Now, as you progress, then you can get into the more petty stuff. You know, if you want to listen to things, Doss, yeah. Alan Watts. Yeah, Alan Watts. Uh, Alan Watts is awesome. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he's phenomenal. And I've, uh, you know, I, I had like the, I, that sometimes. I was fortunate enough very early on in uh, this podcast uh, in the first year to interview his daughter, Joan Watts. Oh, wow. Yeah. I don't know how I landed that when I had I had like maybe 10 episodes under my belt. I just asked and she said, yes. I was like, you're kidding. I had the same thing happen with Dr. <laughs> Urban Laszlo. Right? I just I made a connection and made it and it yeah. happened. Well, um, what do both of you have going on at the moment? Uh, tell us a little bit briefly about your shows and how can people find you and follow you and all that good stuff. Right now, um, you know, I do transformational mindset coaching. Um, and right now I'm only working one-on-one with people. I don't have any side projects going on at all, which I'm immensely happy about. Okay. Um, you know, there's always this idea of let's create more and different. And, and I, <laughs> I, I don't love that. Um, so you can find me. Um, you can find me at getthefuckoff.com, which is my website. It go. is designed to speak to a human who 
doesn't want some holier than thou asshole to tell them to embrace love and light and nothing else. Right. Like, cause that is as toxic as anything. It is it, down. Your, your site is down to earth and tells, tells the real deal that I, I like that. It is, it is, it is not the love and light stuff is born out of all of the systems that we're trying to get away from. Yeah. And, and so you can visit my website. I have a lot of resources for, you know, a number of manifestations of inner conflicts. Mm -hmm. So overthinking, drinking, smoking, if you're overweight, if you are um, on this production and treadmill achievement <laughs> treadmill that's the stuff that i talk about yeah. and um i write a substack view from the roof .substack i also have my podcast view from the roof formerly known as the get the fuck off podcast <laughs> all right well i will link that stuff zen how can people find you well uh my coaching sites be the dream.com uh, I landed that business name in 1988. I was going to say that's a, I'm surprised that was available, but okay. Well, yeah. I've, I've had it for a while. It, it, little foresight there and some promptings to get it in the first place. Yeah. Right? My uh, digital Vitae is at zenbenefield.com. I have a podcast, One World, A New World on YouTube. I am operations director for Live and Let Live Global Peace Movement, which is liveandletlive.org. Mm -hmm. uh, I have another repository of people doing things called Planetary Citizens, of which I just filed for nonprofit status. Um, nice. It's been years. I've had the site for probably a decade and a half, and I've been encouraged to move forward with certain aspects of it. Uh, Live and Let Live is also a 501c3. Um, so you can make donations to it and soon to be planetary citizens, I hope. And in addition to the planetary citizens and one world, the new world, live, let live.org and all of that kind of stuff. I've got an experiment going on since 2012 and that's independencearizona.com. Uh, you know, what we need to do is get involved, right? And then we got to figure out a new model. So the independencearizona.com is a very simple way of starting a party. And oh. it's got information there to do so relative to Arizona. And Can you guys hurry up and put in a, a third party presidential candidate? Is there time? Uh, to well, that's what I'm hoping for, right? <laughs> but it takes a while for things to catch hold. I and know. it's been up for a decade um, and has had some interaction. However, the majority is not ready to move in that direction yet. I'm hoping that happens soon, especially with this desire to do something that actually makes sense. Yeah. I hear you, man. Well, um, awesome. That is a lot of information there uh, from both of you. I will link as much of all that. I'll try to link all that stuff in the show notes so that people listening to this can find you everywhere you are. Um, but that is all, folks. So go check out be the dream.com and connect with Zen Benefil on uh, on LinkedIn. Go check out get the fuck off.com and see uh, everything that Andy Scarantino's got going on. And uh, you can connect with her on LinkedIn and or follow her on Fecal Book. <laughs> so go do that first, folks. Go uh, see everything that Zen and Andy have going on. Um, and after you check them out, 
and you're looking for something else to do and you got $5 lying around, I know you do, then head over to zensandwich.com and help support this show. Even just a one-time donation is appreciated. Or you can join Patreon and get to actually watch these interviews. You can see this one instead of just listening to it. I put other fun videos about life in Japan uh, there on Patreon as well. Andy, Zen, you guys rock. Uh, we didn't get to a third of my questions. Of course not. You're both awesome. I'm so glad we finally did this. Uh, we've already got to have a part two. Um, yeah, I, th I think I hit a little bit of Satori, a little bit of enlightenment during this uh, this whole episode here. So just by having you all, thank you both for your time. Oh, pleasure. Thank you, Mark.